added time is supported by Fitbit. With Amazon Alexa built in, your personalised sleep score and a 5 plus day battery life. Fitbit Versa 2 takes smartwatches to the next level. I had a perfect winter Saturday, Pat. Go on. I had a lot of family time, but that was fine. There's rooms in the house. There's two tellies in the house. So a lot of family time, a lot of checking in. Everybody okay? Can I get you anything? All that sort of stuff. Meanwhile, on the telly in the kitchen, there was no soccer, which is, you know, I missed, you know, you miss a Premier League Saturday. It's the international break. But made time for Ulster against Bath, Munster against Ospreys. Didn't see the Leinster game. That was more important family time. We were out doing something. All right, okay. Some some activity. Bit of racing. Hard to beat hard to beat in November with races coming from Cheltenham and Punchestown. But mostly it's the winter time. There's a bit of Heineken Cup on. And you forget. You do forget a little bit. You know the way people say, you know, the group stages of the Champions League are so boring. Mm. Group stages of the Champions Cup, the Heineken Cup, are not boring at all. No, they're often really good actually. And like so uh, Bath and Ulster was on at lunchtime and like you were looking at the people in the crowd they were freezing absolutely perishing cold and like Ulster were hanging in there and then they were they were winning and they were winning with like going into injury time winning and by then, a point winning by a point 17-16 mm. and then the moment of the weekend I saw this live and I don't know how many people have seen it back or, or, or quite how sort of viral it has gone but what Jacob Stockdale did at the end of the game was one of the coolest things I've ever seen on a rugby pitch. Yeah, do explain it because from the normal TV angle you don't actually see what he did. Yeah, you almost need to see it from, from where, the, from where the, the play started because Ulster had a line out uh, as the clock had ticked into 80 minutes and it was on the bath 22. Mm. All they had to do was win the line out, give it to John Cooney, the scrum half, he kicks it into the crowd. They threw it in, won it, gave it to John Cooney. He kicked the ball into the crowd. But the ref whistled it back for a crooked throw. Now, even at that, you were going, okay, like there's, you know, the clock is in red. It's 81 minutes on the clock at this stage. Uh, Bath are 80 metres from the the Ulster line. What are they going to do here? Like, everything has to go right for them to even, even get halfway up the pitch here. Now, they needed to get up into a drop goal range. But they ran at them and ran at them and played brilliant rugby to get up the pitch and also were kind of really backpedaling and panicking. And that was the context in which <laughs> what Stockdale did was so amazing because they were coming, leathering up the pitch. They were, and, and uh, like the ball was sticking, uh, all the offloads were working. And Bath got up to about 30 metres out and played this uh, lovely uh, sort of one-two pass out to their flanker, uh, Mercer. Uh, but the, the the sort of the dash between the one and the two was uh, a guy, I forget the name of the guy, who, who tipped it onwards. Uh, but as he tipped it onwards, he got buried by Stockdale. Uh, but the problem was Stockdale's timing was just that teensy bit off that he didn't stop your man getting the tap onto this flanker. So now Stockdale's out of position. So now Stockdale, he's so out of position. Not only is he out of position, but he is the guy in a bear hook. So like he has to extricate himself from that, turn and sprint backwards to where Bath have a two-on-one with 
30 yards of space. So also uh, one guy, uh, uh, Ludic, uh, marking the this guy, the, the flanker coming steaming at him and the winger coming sprinting up on the outside. Stockdale comes sprinting back and points to, to Ludic and, uh, and, and basically says, you take him, i.e. Mercer, the flanker, uh, and zips towards the corner uh, to chase down any pass that might come to the winger. And it, again, it, it's only when you see this from behind afterwards that he is running at full pelt, pointing and talking to his, his teammate, Meanwhile, keeping an eye on both uh, Mercer, who's going to pass it, and the winger, who is zipping up on the outside. And as I said in the in the column this morning, like his timing had to be so on the money because had he arrived a millisecond too early, Mercer would have seen him and wouldn't have thrown the pass. Mm. And like not throwing the pass would have still, like Bath would have been, he would have just taken Ludic's tackle and Bath would have been two metres from the line and would have got over for the winning try or he would have buried him and, and gone over himself. So he couldn't arrive too early and he couldn't arrive too late because a millisecond too late and the winger's in in the corner. He just, it was so amazing and he dived full length to get his hand on it right at the split second, the only split second that would have saved the game. And hold it. And hold it. Held it, got it down, and your man pushed him into touch and Ulster win the game. And it was, it was, it was one of the coolest things I've seen in rugby, like outside of an actual score, you know, like because he just, he appeared from absolutely nowhere. He, he covered like 30 metres in, in the blink of an eye and caught the ball and won the game. And then stood up and like spiked it like a, like an NFL wide receiver after scoring a touchdown and just went there you go that's the that's the there's the game. You kind of actually, as you said yourself, Stockton was like almost emblematic of all of Irish rugby this mm-hmm. weekend after having you know such a brilliant 2018 and such a poor by his standards 2019. Maybe this is you know the Champions Cup is back and maybe. Maybe he can turn a corner as well. Uh, well, whether he does or he doesn't, I'll remember that. Mm. <laughs> well, however the rest of the Champions Cup goes, that'll be one of the moments I remember <laughs> for the end of the year. Um, we have a, a grand show on at a time today. We have um, a Gavin and Jerry uh, will be in later to talk about the weekend uh, in the Champions Cup where Ireland won four from four. But first, it is a huge night. Well, it's the morning of a huge night, I guess, is the way to put it. Uh, uh, all back to the Aviva tonight, Pat. It's do or die. Do or die. And uh, we are playing Denmark yet again. Um, and Emmett Malone is on the line. How are you, Emmett? Hi, Malky. How are you? Flying. Flying. Cool. De- Denmark, Good. Denmark again. Denmark again, yeah. 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 Uh, um, I, I guess yeah, Barry Glendening has a piece in the Guardian today talking about it being like one of those circles of hell, uh, Ireland <laughs> against Denmark, and um, uh, yeah, I, I think the Danes certainly see it that way. But um, yeah, yeah, and maybe maybe the rest of the fans will, by the Irish fans will, by the end of the night, it's hard to know. But um, yeah, here we go again. Six yeah. time in two, two years. <laughs> it has really gotten into the familiarity breeding contempt stage of the relationship, hasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, uh, Aga Harida, um, or sorry, <clears throat> that's my Irish take on his name. Um, I've been trying to figure out how the uh, how the Danes say it, and it's it's absolutely nothing. I realise uh, the way I've been saying it for many years. Um, um, yeah, he was talking yesterday about the fact that uh, his players don't like playing Ireland, and he was suggesting that that you know that 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 in itself suggested uh, respect. But um, hey, I'm not, I'm not so sure, you know, and um, uh, but look, you know, we you know they've been. Interesting games in their way. They haven't been a whole lot of fun to be at in in many ways as an Irish fan. Uh, the results we have four 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 draws out of five. Uh, but in truth, you know the Danes have really dominated every single one of those games, and um, and the couple in particular, they would wonder quite how they got away from them. Uh, the Nations League games, they didn't seem quite so pushed, uh, although they still had the better of them. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting night. Uh, we have to do something that we haven't done in in quite a while against them. I think it's forty years since we've actually beaten them. Um, so uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting night. Uh, you have a probable team. In um, this morning's paper, Aha, there you go. No, already he's wrong <laughs> because they've, they've released a match day squad, and the player I thought might make a team, Callum O'Dowd, hasn't even made the match day squad, so that's well, not no. a very good start. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, yeah, look, uh, a bunch of us talking afterwards, you know, that that the, the one spot really, I mean, well, I guess it's probably two spots because there's some question mark over whether he brings back Hurahan for um, uh, Alan Brown. Brown has been slightly ahead of her and recently doing slightly better at his club, although it'll be at a championship club rather than a Premier League club. Horahan hasn't played a whole lot at Villa in the since the last international break when Brown seemed to have passed him out. Um so uh so there's there's there is that slight question mark about that. Uh, starters on um Thursday night against um uh, New Zealand where in a way sort of taken as being at a disadvantage when it came to team selection here. So Brown's starting then you know, was seen maybe as a as a negative and that, that maybe Harahan was creeping back into it, but he did come off quite early and uh Harahan came on. So look, that's where we are. That spot is sort of up grabs between the two of them, you would suspect. Um the greater question mark is over who plays on the the right hand side of a front tree. Uh, he's had a couple of players there. Most obviously, Callum Robinson has played a few times. Robinson, you know, it, it, when he's good, um, he really brings um, a fair, fair bit to the party, kind of creatively. He's um, he gets on the ball, he runs with it, uh, he does a sort of basic, but not not quite the basic things. That sounds wrong, but um, just the slightly above basic things that you know we think they all should do. But uh, gets on the ball, runs with it, passes it to a teammate, uh, keeps possession, uses it well. Um, but um, but look, defense. He's been found wanting on a couple of occasions, and uh, and I, I think the kind of you know sense was that 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 might count against them. Also, uh, McCarthy came away from the New Zealand game saying that both himself and Sean Maguire were better on the left. Nobody really expected. Very few people would expect him to um, drop McLean. No matter. I mean, I know McLean divides opinion hugely, and a great many people would probably be happy enough to see him dropped. But um, but you know, McCarthy always talks about that energy he brings there. So it's slightly up in the air. I mean, I, I think Robinson is possibly now the head of the queue. There's a possibility, an outside chance that he play um, Aaron in midfield and, and and Brown on the right side of that that attacking uh, uh, thing. He really likes Brown. He talks about his versatility a lot. So that that position is really up for grabs, and it's interesting. But you know, I think we can safely say at this stage that I got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the main thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, uh, McLean there. Um, he was in. Um, uh, how should we put this? Uh, pre- pre- James McLeanish form uh, w- yeah. with, in some press uh, gigs last week, wasn't he? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's never dull with with, mm. with James McLean. Um, yeah, he's always interesting. Um, look, I mean, they bring him in, and uh, he clearly, he's clearly up for it. And um, uh, but he came in, he, he declined uh, to take. Uh, so, the, so the way these things work, uh, the practicality of them is that there's a daily section, daily newspaper section, and a kind of broadcast stroke web section, which is all kind of live. Mm. You can go out at that minute. Um, and uh, I was in the daily newspapers one, and uh, and he refused to talk to um, Paul Rowan, I think it was from the Times, um, on the basis that Paul had uh, gotten in touch a couple of years back when we played Austria, and there was a late goal disallowed, and, and McLean uh, criticised the referee. And um, and Ron got in touch with uh, UEFA to check whether they were going to take any any action against him. Now I don't know the nature, the precise nature of that that inquiry. Um, uh, McLean was characterising it as as Roan attempting to get him uh, banned, which I, I I suspect is not quite the case. Has him, do- has him down weird. as a grass. Exactly, exactly. That was very much the tone of it. Um, Roan seemed a bit startled. Um, so, uh, yeah, but it seems a legitimate enough thing to do to ring a coming God body and ask if they are going to take, um, uh, you know, a disciplinary action against somebody. But I don't know the ins and outs of it. But, you know, um, James McLean was very, very firm that he wasn't uh, going to talk to him. Uh, it sounded like they'd, they'd had it out before and this was uh, the latest installment. He then went into the broadcast where he refused to take pictures, uh, take questions from the sun on the basis that uh, some time ago he was asked, I think it was somebody else's biography was in the news at the time, Roy Keane's uh, presumably, um, was in the news at the time and he was asked about it. He said that actually he was doing his own autobiography and um, and I remember like Martin O'Neill was joking about it um, and, and everyone, I, I, my memory my, my actually is that uh, he was asked about this, he said he was doing his own biography, and it was just like from behind us, the uh, the press officer from the FAI who just tends to stand in on these things to make sure things don't go, you know, too disastrously <laughs> off course. Um, there was just a just quietly whispered, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, anyway the sun the next day uh, mocked it up on the back page as they tend to with poppycock was the headline and um, and he took exception to that um, so he wouldn't talk to them uh, this week and then uh, the two there were a couple of lads from Pondit Arena and um uh, he he one of them tried to ask a question mm. and he and he described him as a fucking weasel yeah. and um and said he wasn't taking any questions from him now Pundit arena have been very critical as a, as a kind of website or whatever they've done a few pieces on on mclean and been very critical and suggested in no uncertain terms he shouldn't be in the team as it happens it wasn't the guy who he was insulting who wrote those pieces but um there you go yeah yeah it was uh, it was strong stuff you know and uh, and then and then he talked very well look you know i mean i was the, gonna the, say the, there's the side of mclean who talks very very well about the about the poppy issue um and uh, he he uh, he gave a very good account of himself on that again he talked about his respect for the people who want to wear poppies and um and and his desire simply to be respected for not wanting to wear them he talked about the fa getting in touch the english fa that is and expressing some support privately and encouraging them to report any abuse that he received and um it's all good stuff you know and um and I think, uh, I, you know, I got a couple of messages on social media from people suggesting that, you know, this is kind of well-worn ground and here we go again or whatever. But I think it's important because McLean is actually the only one who really comes out and, and bats against mm. this. And um, the mania that has taken hold um, in, in, in English football around is getting uh, worse by the year. Is what, sorry? Is getting worse by the year. It's getting absolutely worse by the year <laughs> to the point where now there are a couple of 
of uh, Twitter accounts that openly sort of mock the, the mm. way that these things are done and, 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 and mock the fact that, you know, this is supposed to be a, a you know, a demonstration of respect when in, in, in many cases, these things appear to be, you know, like a pam- pantomime or a parody, you know, I mean, I, I say this as somebody whose who's grandfather fought in the First World War for the mm. British Army at the Somme um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, he was, uh, he drove a tank, then an ambulance, uh, had some terrible experiences, um, was traumatized by it to the extent that he wouldn't talk to his family for the rest of his life about it. Um, I have some sympathy for, for the charities. I think the country should look after their troops. I have some sympathy for James McLean, who, uh, because of the particular circumstances coming from Derry, does not want to wear a poppy. Um, but, you know, I, I'm certainly in the camp. And, and, and the Royal British Legion, to their credit, have said this over and over again that I'm aware of, that that, that people should not be, you know, shamed or bullied or, you know, cornered mm. into wearing a poppy if they don't want to, that that's not what this is about. And that, and, and I think there is a general acceptance in the, in the, in, 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 in the kind of minds of what, you know, Monty Python used to describe as right thinking people, um, that, uh, that, that, you know, what's been, what's been remembered here, what's been celebrated here is, are, are people who fought against fascism and, and against people having to wear emblems that they didn't want to, you know? So look, there's all of that. And I, and I actually think that in years to come, when this fad sort of passes, when people wake up to the fact that they've, everyone's got really carried away with this. And I think there will be a kind of reaction against it in coming years. And I think people will look back on James McLean as, as somebody who had the guts to stand up for what he believed in and, and call people out for, for something that was essentially wrong. Well, after that, um, I feel really bad about describing this game as do or die at the top. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, let, let's go to, back to the actual game. The game tonight, uh, Emmett, one of the things that's interesting about it, we all know that for us to go through automatically, we need to win. A draw is no good. Yeah. But, um, but when it comes right down to it, the Danes are incredibly hard to beat, which we we keep talking. Well, for us, dis- anyway, yeah. Well, yeah. for lots of people. <laughs> yeah, Isn't it right? They've yeah. only lost uh, once are, in yeah, 33 they, they, games. They've gone a long time without losing. They have 23 games, 23 competitive games uh, without losing. Uh, the Swiss should have beaten them, uh, didn't. The Georgians could have beaten them. Um, and, and Mick McCarthy has pointed to that game a lot. There was in a scoreless draw in Tbilisi where, where uh, Aga Haraida uh, was, was ill at the time. I think he'd had a knee operation or something like that and, um, and, and, and couldn't travel. And the team, um, the team dominated for 80 minutes. I mean, Mick McCarthy referenced that game a lot. As, you know, oh, look, the, the Danes came here as well and, and didn't win. But, I mean, the, the, the pattern of it was very different. The, the pattern of it was what you would expect from a good team, you know, um, being kind of uh, held off by a lesser team. Uh, they dominated for 80 minutes, um, had chances, um, didn't, you know, their finishing wasn't great. And that's a characteristic of this team. I mean, you know, um, Christian Eriksen has scored 21 goals now, international goals in his last 29 games. But across the, the team, they, 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 they don't finish especially well. They tend not to, notwithstanding the fact they won 6-0 on Saturday against Gibraltar. But... Um, and it's been a, it's been a, it's been a characteristic of our games against them that in most of those games they've created chances to beat us. Randolph has 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 done well. He's distinguished himself in a couple of them, making really good saves. But also, I think it's fair to say, in at least a couple of the draw four draws that we've had, they have had chances that they should have put away. Um, and so you know, we go into this, and uh, it's certainly easier to see how they don't beat us than how we beat them. And, and to add a twist to this, I mean, notionally, and it is slightly notional, if the Swiss uh, draw in Gibraltar rather than win, which is not expected, but in, 
because of the strange nature of, of, of the way these kind of head-to-heads work and head-to-head, two-team head-to-heads become three-team head-to-heads, then mm. if the Swiss drew in Gibraltar, we would actually have to win by two goals. So, um, uh, I mean, this is not, that's not likely to arise. And, and you might argue that it's not likely to happen. But, um, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, could, it could notionally get worse for us. But as it is, I mean, McCarthy was talking yesterday very clear about the fact that... Um, that it was likely to be by a single goal, uh, that we needed, you know, that it would be important to keep a clean sheet, not to leave ourselves in, in, in the situation of having to score more than once. Um, we don't have a recognised goal scorer. All our goals have come from different players. We've only scored six in the entire campaign. So it's a, it's a challenge. And yet, you know, what can you do except look back at the, the Italy game, the Germany game, the Austria game away? Um, we have this, t- this team, this essentially this group of players have produced big nights over the last you know couple of years and three years. And, and, um, and the, the, the hope is that they will do that again. Uh, Emmett, since you uh, wandered slightly into the realm of permutations there, uh, uh, yeah. w- with hesitation and trepidation, <coughs> oh, oh. I, I, uh, I, I must ask you, what happens if we don't win tonight? Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> this is the point where um, you know, you know, <laughs> uh, a whiteboard. Uh, <laughs> everybody should switch switch to 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 uh, you know, get online now, and we'll have a we'll have a video a ex- demonstration. Yeah. Her, you know, uh, yeah. Look, it gets complicated. Um, uh, we, we we go into the we, we have a playoff. That's for sure. At this stage, we're guaranteed a playoff. Um, so we fall back on our nations league uh, position, which. Was oh you know uh, well, we didn't do very well in the great. Nations League, but such is the nature of the Nations League that you know even teams that don't do so well still get a prize. Uh, so in this case, um, uh, enough teams above us uh, in the Nations League have qualified automatically, so that there are now playoff places for teams stretching down to us and beyond um, uh, for 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 the last four places at the European Championships. So we will go into the playoffs next March. Uh, we will be away, as I understand it, and this is a fluid situation which is keep, keeps changing. Um, I have hotels booked in countries that we will definitely not now be visiting, <laughs> so uh, I need to remember to, to cancel them now that it's in my head again and book new ones in other countries <laughs> that I can cancel after tonight. But as things stand, my understanding of it is that we'd be going to either, most likely going to either Slovakia or Wales. That's one leg away. And then a few days later, a final. And I think that could be against Bosnia and Herzegovina. I'm open to correction on that. That is where we stand. We, we do have this fallback. McCarthy has been kind of keen to get away from it, you know, to, to talk, not, not kind of talk in terms of there being this safety net. But the reality is it is there. The, one of the other things that's going on here now, a kind of subtext to all of this is that because of the nature of the European Championship finals themselves and the fact that we're hosting some games, one of the things up for grabs tonight is that if we qualify automatically, then uh, as things stand we would have uh, we'd obviously have two home games in the the group stages but Spain will also be a a host in our group Um, they will also have two home games and so there's just that 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 game between Ireland and Spain and it has to be decided where that would be played and if we qualify uh, tonight then there would be a draw for that they'll they'll at the the draw I think it's on the 30th of um, uh, this month in uh, in Bucharest they will draw uh, 
to see who's home or away for that. So we could have three group games in Lansdowne Road mm. or, or just the two. If we go through the playoff, then Spain will be at home. That game will be that game will be away in Bilbao, I think. Well, at least, uh, Emmett, it's almost certain that we will simplify all of this by winning tonight. So at, at least, at least we bet, have Mal, that. Yeah. I think that's a safe bet, yes. <laughs> I want us to win tonight now just so we never have to have this conversation again. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett Malone, thank you very much. Uh, enjoy what is about to be quite a long day for you. Cheers, Mal. Take care. Cheers. You're listening to The Irish Times. The Heineken Champions Cup is back, Pat. It is. And we're brilliant at rugby again. Yeah, it turns out the World Cup was just a mere blip. Yes, forget it all. None of it happened. Uh, And none of it, of course, happened to the two men in front of me. Jerry Thorny, how are you? Very good, thank you. Gavin Comiskey, how are you? How's it going? Uh, Four from four? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Simple as? Simple as. Wasn't always that kind of simple. You've got to give (laughs) Connors huge credit. I think that was the pick of the four. Missing all the players they were missing through injury, and uh, that was a really huge result, wasn't huge, it? Huge, what a huge, huge, was an outstanding win. I mean, to lose three players from your selected team on top of whatever it was ten frontline players already missing, and then uh, to concede a try after barely a minute, go seven yeah. nil down, and you know struggling to get into the game in the first quarter to then come back and play like they did, and then have to really dig deep and defend brilliantly as they did, as, as good as the tries were the three turnovers by Bundy Aki and Dennis Buckley and Robin Copeland, the forgotten man, had a yeah, stormer. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they dug deep in every sense. They dug deep into the squad, dug, dug deep into their reserves of character and um, came out with, a, I think, a deserving win. And I think you've got to give Andy Friend huge credit on the coaching staff there, Jimmy Duffy, what he did with that pack, um, given all the disruptions to them, um, how well their lineup mall functioned to actually score a try from their lineup mall and prevent Clermont scoring from any, or Montpellier scoring from any of their malls. And then to bring on Conor Fitzgerald uh, for Jack Cardi, who was having a, a problematic afternoon. He put in a couple of loose kicks, missed a couple of conversions, just been run over for their try. And for young Fitzgerald to step up and nail the winning penalty, um, an amazing victory, really s- superb. The pick of the four, I think, but mm. as, good a, as good a start as Irish rugby could have w- wished for. You can tell me now, uh, was it from Mont- Montpellier? Was it the old story of a French team coming... Uh, and throwing their hat at it after a while, or like Montpellier, no mugs, surely? No, they're no mugs. Um, they haven't been set the world of life domestically in the top 14, but like, I think they had 13 internationals and they're starting 15, mm. and the, the bench, they're just full of power to bring on. And no, they they, they threw everything at Connacht. They really did in the last quarter, and uh, it wasn't a question of them chucking in the towel or anything like that at all. Um, it was just Connacht just outlasting them in the end and deservedly winning. It was an extraordinary victory. So like their um, the World Cup, They've lost Andre Pollard to f- broke his cheekbone in the World Cup final. Obviously, they're supposed to have the best at half in the, in the game at the moment. But they kept on to Aaron Cruden, who they kept. They stopped him from going back to New Zealand for a few months. So they have every henchman the money can buy, yeah. you know. So it was fully deserved win. 50 caps for the All Blacks, Aaron Cruden. Yeah, He's yeah. no mug. Like, yeah, I, yeah. You remember um, the, the skills... The Duplessis brothers off the bench, you know. What was the skills coach? The skills coach at Connors. Remember the skills coach that uh, they had in there, Pat Lamb had in? Yeah, he's back in the system, back in New Zealand system. Yeah, now. he. I interviewed him once, and he he ran the um, International Rugby Academy in Palmerston North, and he uh, talked about all the players, the brilliant, brilliant players that come through their system. And he said the most talented player who came through that academy was Aaron Cruden. Wow. You only had to tell him something once, and he remembered it forevermore. He's just a classy player. He started so, well here, then he did. Yeah. One of our favourite headline of this morning, we were flicking through some of the papers, the Limerick leader managed to get the headline out of it. Former Limerick minor hurler, Conor Fitzgerald, kicks Connacht <laughs> to victory. You like that Everything one, Gab, didn't local. you? Yeah, yeah, that was great. And it, it, look, at the, you can look at the Connacht team, like you can say, before this, you can turn around and go, oh, like they're a bunch of, uh, you know, rejects and journeymen. But like Conor, Fitz, Conor Fitzgerald's a great story. He was cut loose by the Munster Academy 
a year, just over a year ago going no we're, you're not up to the bill here you're and, not a you're not a professional rugby yeah, player and he closed out the game he closed out the game that Jack yeah. Carty mightn't have been able to do because he was struggling um, there's a bunch of them it, Andy Friend Jerry touched on there deserves enormous credit for what he's done um, they were 16 injuries on this list they, you lose your captain before kickoff. you lose some of your your strike players Healy and before kickoff. off yeah, do you looking as well yeah, yeah it, who was like uh, and he, he and went, Jared Butler is such an important player for them as well big, big time he, he turned around afterwards friends quotes friends stuff talk afterwards which is brilliant he goes we don't get charter flights we get our regular flights but he turned around and he said that uh, they sat them down after they got like sorted out by Leinster the week before and they said look in the sports ground, we, we just can't have people running over us. Um, mm. we, we, can't, we can't have that, you know. We have to, we have to respond. So he did, he is a brilliant uh, psychologist mm. because he got them in the frame of mind going, who cares what we're losing? Who cares what we don't have? We're, we're, we're Connacht and we're in Galway. And Montpellier, I was reading Media Olympic during the week, they did say, they did know what was happening. They, did, they, they, they knew, knew where they, they were going. going yeah. They know about um, the troubles that Toulouse have had. Like they have, Connacht have planted a flag mm. in Europe before. They call them the White Wolf, one of the, the players saying, that's, <laughs> you have to beware the White Wolf. And they weren't. They, they, went, into, they went in and they got, they got beaten fair and square. Um, it, was, it was a marvellous game to follow. I was, I was driving, so I was following it on radio and in bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And it, it was fascinating. I was like, I need to pull over and find and watch, the last, <laughs> watch these last 10 minutes because it was historic stuff. It was, I know they beat Toulouse, Jerry, but this is, this is because, considering how far they were put back on their heels and mm. what they were missing, this is their greatest moment in Europe, I think. You know? Well, they did beat Toulouse away. You're right. True, that was true, a huge, yeah. huge win in, and a very significant win in the Pat Lam era. It kind of was the foundation stones yeah. for what they did the following season and winning their one and only title. And I think sports ground is a very special place now. <clears throat> I think partly because they were last on to the, 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 the good the ship. Register, you know yeah. what I mean? They were last yeah. there. They'd been watching for years Leinster and Munster and Ulster mm. having all these successes. And, uh, you know, very often they were playing in front of 2,000 people and Saturday afternoon the Challenge Cup. And that's, that, was, that was their lot. Mm. And so I think they've, they've really bought into the local support levels now. The support level, you've got to remember, they were just had a chastening defeat the week before against yeah. Leinster at home. A real which, beaten. Real yeah, beaten, which yeah. would have been very damaging, you would have thought, morale-wise. But also, very often in rugby, you know, you come in on a Monday after a stinging home defeat and you can be sure there'll be a big response mm. a week later. And I think part of that was, it was a, a, a huge amount down to just their their mental state going into this game as opposed to the week before and their emotional energy they brought to it and the way they feed off the crowd down there. It's, yeah, it's and, I mean, I don't know. That, I was going to say I'm ashamed to say that I'd just kind of written them off as the last game of the weekend and that they, uh, they were going to get beaten. But I'd say I wasn't the only one. Maybe not. Yeah, mm. maybe not. I always thought there was something... I was a bit worried at the start when they went 7-0 mm. down. It looked ominous. And the sports ground was, seemed quite very quiet for the first 20 minutes and they were kind of but then they started to create chances and they actually could have scored more tries they actually mm. it was a very inventive game plan they really stretched Montpellier they went wide wide a lot they tried to move that big juggernaut pack around and maintain a very high tempo whereas Montpellier were taking an age over their scrums mm. taking an age over their lineouts, looking to maul much slower paced game just trying to overpower Connacht and it was great to see that that doesn't always work in modern day rugby you know what I mean mm. that a lighter side but a quicker side a more quick witted side and with more variety to their attack um, can outlast a big heavyweight muscular side like I wouldn't heaven knows what the discrepancy is in terms of the annual budgets in the two clubs Um, well it's significant enough Jerry that they don't get a charter flight to Toulouse Andy Friend was saying it afterwards (laughs) and I I feel I feel for I worry for them because it might be used against them later on because we use oh you don't give us a charter flight okay okay, we'll use it against oh we've 16 players and we still beat a a, a giant of Europe and so the IRF might look at it going well 
they're grand. So <laughs> we'll keep them. They, they use this as motivation, so they don't need any extra help. But they, they do now. They, they have they've earned it, and they really, really should be looked after now. Gav's right. They clock up more miles than any other <coughs> team in Europe because they have an extra flight. Effectively, every time they go away in the Pro 14 mm. to Italy, it could be three flights to get them there, or a night in Dublin Airport or something. Yes, like that exactly. Before, or yeah. a week in Krasnoyarsk. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean going forward. We'll say they're playing Toulouse away on Saturday. Yeah. If they've got 16 injuries, um, we, Keith Duggan was talking about in the front of the paper today about them talking to the IRFU. Do they go looking for reinforcements? Is that feasible? Is that allowed at this point it's, of the season? No, Irish rugby can do this. David Newsport can do this. You know, there is, there's loan agreements that have happened before. Like to say Tom Daly got there. That's why he first, I need a fantastic game yesterday. Like you, you can revive your career. You have a choice if you're a second or third string in a Munster Leinster or you can sit there, you know, and play club rugby and be like hero in your local area or you can you can get pushed into Connacht and make a real career for yourself and push yourself into the consideration of Andy Farrell for Ireland it's not out of the if they if these guys if someone like Tom Daly shows up again beside Bundy Aki who's always going to make you look good you know you get you have a right to be in the 40 man Ireland squad for the Six Nations you know you can be sure that that phone call has already been made Andy Friend has already been in touch with David Nussifor as we speak right. this morning but what are you going to do what are you going to give us because there's certain areas where we just let's say back three very Dennis nice Buckley, four of their Dennis last, Buckley uh, just the loose head prop he played 80, 80 minutes, minutes and he made, minutes. he made 18 tackles. Yeah. Uh, but you can't have your loose head playing 80 minutes. You've you got to have another loose head that's capable to compete in Europe. So they do need help. I mean, I'm talking about the, the nuts and bolts positions. If Marmion's not back, Blade need, they might need assistance at scrum half. There's there's players sitting on the, playing AIL rugby who are good enough to be sitting on a bench in Europe. Blade's pushing himself into some kind of contention as well because I think he played 28 of their 29 games last season. But you can't realistically expect <coughs> these players to continue doing like the guys right, like Dennis Buckley put in a monumental shift yesterday. And the problem with that injury crisis is they beget more injuries because you're putting out the same team all yeah. the time. Yeah. And this is back-to-back against Montpellier and, and Toulouse with a six-day turnaround yeah. and now wait to Toulouse. And you're bringing lads back before they're exactly yeah. ready. Yeah, or whatever. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. That being said, it was vital for them they got Ulton to land back yesterday and hit mm. another big game. But yeah, they're, they're down to the bare bones and... I think this is a shot to nothing. Like they've got at least they've got four points in the bag. And even if they lose a way to lose, they're still in the mix as such in this group. Um, but the one thing that struck me over the weekend was that uh, every cloud is a silver lining and all that. Ireland and France's quarterfinal exit in stark contrast to England and Wales, mm. who went on for another fortnight. England had two winners out of seven in the opening weekend. Yeah. France had the three contenders all winning: Racing, Claremont, Toulouse all but the big chunk of their World Cup players back. I think Clermont had five of their seven back from the French World Cup squad. Mm. Toulouse had six of their eight back. Um, still have... Uh, well, because Bahamina threw an elbow, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, Saracens were without nine injured players and the spine of the English World Cup final winning team as well as their own. And you saw what happened when they went away to Racing. So I think, you know, Irish rugby benefited in, 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 to a small degree because of the proximity of a... Heineken Champions Cup just a fortnight after the World yeah. Cup final amazing and like the didn't going, put Win Jones or Tipperick out there yeah. and like, you, they don't have no chance when they and, and meanwhile Irish players were able to go to Dubai and you know get it out of their system yeah. have a break which yeah. you need mentally yeah. Yeah. as much as physically you need a break I heard Dubai's and, lovely this and, and then come back a little bit very refreshed very hungry you could see it in Gary yeah. Greenwell's Johnny Sexton Josh van der Flair their seasonal debuts for Leinster how much it meant to them but the break to have that break and then come back refreshed and hungry mm. made such a difference and, and could and, you see the anger in them Jerry oh, the Irish players yeah, like van, CJ Stander after once they scored a try check him out uh, like Sexton nearly jumped into the crowd when he scored his try <laughs> right, yeah. Ringrose who just, just he's not an emotive kind of guy you know 
what I mean? I'm sure he is internally in the mm. camp and all. He's coming into a leader, but when he finished off his hat trick, he flung the ball into the crowd. And yeah. he was like, Stockdale at the end as well. Oh, man. Yeah. After, like, his, it, after his. All it, the Irish players. Superman. It, I felt like it's not their only motivation, but yeah. it felt, I felt like anger was part of all their performances, you know, because they all, nearly to a man, they all showed up, the guys who were central to. She's and the thing, about, the thing about the Irish players as well is that although the World Cup went very badly at the end, physically they looked in fine nick. There oh, was yeah. nothing wrong with them, their oh, fitness yeah. levels. Yeah. Yeah. Only Bundy was ruled out of the quarterfinal and that was through suspension. Yeah. Everybody looked very fit and sharp. It was very noticeable in the Samoan game, the second last pool game with 14 men, how much much fitter and stronger they mm. looked than Samoa. And so I think physically they're they're in great nick. And they're three months players. into their season. Yeah. yeah. Like they're in the, they're and, perfect preseason. And a lot of them have played <laughs> less games than they normally would have yes. at this time of the year. Absolutely. You know, they'd, be, they'd have played four or five Pro 14 games, a couple of rounds of Heineken Cup and be into the November window by now. Whereas you've got players like Andrew Conway and uh, Jordan Larmer and stuff who are relatively, had relatively little game time to mm. their own frustration. Reese Ruddock, and they have plenty to prove as well. The, the whole, it, it, you, I felt that just even being in, in Limerick last week and with the RDS on Saturday, it's like, don't mention the war. People are happy to come back and support their colours, you know yeah. I mean, their home teams. Yeah. And like, we were asking, I was asking Leo Cullen afterwards about... Um, the, the emotive reactions of the Sexons and Ring Rose going, look like they're getting pent up frustration and, and Leo kind of half joked, half admonished going, it's because you're giving them so much hassle, you know, about the World <laughs> Cup. But he did talk about it then. He goes, we did sit down and go, we need to channel this. Like, you are back here. Um, we need to, you know, let's let's just get, let's keep the bounce going. I think you wrote about it as well mm-hmm. today going, don't think about it. Just move on to your next job, yeah. which is, other teams have to have to stew over it and all this. You've got to burn it. Yeah. This weekend proves that it's been a huge a huge boon for them well, just to hit the ground. Whereas you're coming back from playing in a World Cup final, having lost a World Cup final, and well, two weeks later, that's why Mark McCall didn't play any of his players for Saracens. But the one or two that did ready, came yeah. back, like Henry Slade for Exeter, had a big game. Um, Sam Underhill looked like he still he he could have done. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, because I and, watched most of that, and, the, and, the Bath Ulster game, and like you're going... This guy, 13 days ago, was playing in a World Cup final. You wonder what damage it might do to him over the course of the season. And and he's very injury-prone guy as well. Yeah, but Dan Bigger was brought back by Northampton and kicked 20 points. Mm. So, it, you know, these players are very important to their mm. teams and they're just you're, you're a better team with them all back. I was asking, uh, again, asking Cullen afterwards, going, I, surely you're going to pay for this at some stage. Because like Ringrose said, there has been no break in my season. I played a full season last year. There was a little break and then it was straight into Ireland camp. They were back in Ireland camp in June, June. you know. And they went all the way through and he was like, I love playing rugby, this is what I want to do and all that. And we are like, okay, fair enough. And look, you just scored a hat-trick, take your hat off to him. But you said at the Cullen going, look, this is great, you know, but are you not going to pay for this? And, and Cullen was like, look, they're, they're getting all the Christmas off again. They've just had two weeks off and they're getting all the Christmas off. We are going to chop and change our squad and they can. The other thing is the other three provinces, well, not to talk about Connacht because they're just doing a brilliant job without mm. any help. Uh, but Ulster and Munster, there's a couple of key players there that they can't afford to lose. So it's, uh, I don't know, Ireland, again, we're coming back to they manage things well, but he's t- touched on it. The English teams are going to suffer, but probably Saracens the most. Um, the, let's take the th- three games on Saturday. What was the biggest result? Was it Ulster's uh, against Bath, yes, I guess? definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think that was, um, like Munster, you would have expected them to be the, an injury-ravaged mm. Osprey side who are probably at their lowest ebb in history. A million um, quid taken out of their budget last year by the WRU. Um, like over a dozen injuries. Uh, Alan Wynne-Jones, Justin Tipperidge, key men not back. 
Um, their campaign looks already up. Their campaigns in both competitions already look over. They've lost five out of six in the Pro 14, including at home to the Kings. So you'd expect Munster win, but of course, Munster being Munster, they had to give us a bit of drama because they're the drama kings. (laughs) They don't do dull, least of all in Europe. Uh, So we have to have an 84th minute (laughs) bonus point. Try it's just part of their script. Say, stay awake, people. Keep watching us. We'll we'll entertain you. Nothing sure is coming. Yeah, yeah, but some outstanding performance. Jeremy Lockman, his try, that left to right pass. Lovely little um, tip on from Chris Farrell. And Andrew Conway, if he just stays fit, <laughs> is going to have the yeah. season of his life. He he probably should have been the, the one or two players you could have questioned the selection of the quarterfinals, albeit with the benefit of hindsight, was probably the Andrew Conway. You're throwing, stock, you're throwing stock down in the bin. But like yeah. that's why yeah. nobody went kind of crazy about it. Even no. Conway deserved to be in the team. Yeah. You're, you're dropping Earls or... Uh, Ireland's leading try score the World Cup he yeah. just can't stop scoring tries but, uh, he's just as quick as ever Conway mm. should be angry he should be pissed off that he wasn't in the, in the he deserved to be there but yeah. we understand why CJ's a freak like his numbers at the World Cup are off the scale the amount of minutes he puts in the carries 21 the carries against Samoa was oh, just insane just ridiculous insane mm. stuff and he's just he's just doing it again he just he, he just keeps going you see him coming off the pitch with a bloodied nose and he's got a smile on his face and he just wink. loves yeah. pain yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, he, he loves a bit of claret he just loves putting his body through it but the Ulster one, yes. The Ulster one was, it was a triumph for their defensive system under mm. Jared Payne as much as it was. They didn't create McFarland an awful lot. said that as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a brilliant defensive effort. Because um, Cooney's try was a breakaway try. Yes, effectively. And the, the very well taken pressure. second try. Yeah. Um, that Is, lovely did they keep Payne, Jerry? Did hmm? they keep Jared Payne as the, as in that position, now, do you think, as defensive coach? Looks like he's yeah. he just come into him. Like they, yeah. they nail yeah. him down and yeah. hold on to him. Yeah, yeah. Because McFarland seems to be building something kind of. He, he he's a, he's a strange. He's a very interesting guy, Dan McFarland. You very, know him throughout the years. Yeah. You've got yeah. yeah. He's been around Irish for a long time before Scotland got the Scots got hold of him, and they did not want to let him go. They made mm. the IRFU pay, and um, but you're still not sure how he's going to be as a head coach. But he's quietly just building this. Like again, he's a very impressive there's, individual. There's an, there's an, he's calm. Yeah. You know, he's intelligent. Yeah, he's articulate. He's, he's pretty funny. He can be sarcastic with you in a press conference. Like if you ask a question, oh, he's uh, dry as a bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, oh, what cliche would you like today? But, <laughs> but it, that victory because Bath are supposed to. This was this, this was supposed to be Bath's kind of coming out party. They have millions invested in them. They have a bundle of English players, a bundle of foreign players, Fijian wingers. You name it, the whole thing. Their structures are right. They've got this whole new young coaching ticket which Gervin Dempsey's a part of, and they just were out taught and they played at home by an Ulster team that wasn't supposed to show up. Like, it's a huge credit to Ulster, but... Um, Extraordinary end game. Oh, my only God. Bath were only a point down. Yeah. And four times kicked well in the either, air. You know, four yeah. times kicked in the air. Louis Luddock once, Jacob Stockdale once, and Will Addison, who come through a ropey phase, having yeah. been brilliant for the first hour, lovely chip through for the um, the little try, but he was actually having a bit of a ropey phase. And mm. then they took the four high balls. It was like Bath had nothing left until the final, final play of the game. Then they actually started to play some rugby and try to score, try it wide. And Stockdale made his brilliant defensive read. But... Uh, I think word of caution across the board for next weekend because it's four French-Irish games and yeah. the, the three French contenders to win this all had statement wins and two of them are coming to Ireland mm. and one is host, Toulouse are hosting Connacht. It's going to be, a, I tell you what, if Ireland get another four-timer this weekend, it'll be, it'd be light years even better. So, I'll be asked, yeah. And Irish also, just one... And, and next week, we're <laughs> going to Irish yeah, yeah, finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the Cup for you. But Dan McFarlane was right. He said if they give up as much possession to Claremont... Um, they know all about it. It'll be torture, as as you put it. Claremont, a bit like Racing, a bit like Toulouse, hurt by the World Cup, have just just hit their range now and they've got a couple of Fijians. We want to watch out for the Fijians this week, lads, because you've got a... 
You've got Pakeli Yato, the flanker, and Alaverde, the um, player. Oh, Raka. The the they both got two tries. In, they ran up 50 points against Harlequins. And Verini Vakatawa was just sensational for Racing. He cut Saracens apart. So the Fijians are coming this weekend, and they're, dang, they're wonderful athletes, great, great rugby players. And it's Clermont, if, if Clermont are allowed to have anything like that same possession, that Ulster allowed Bath to have, it'll be a completely different story. It changed because it's in Belfast, but yeah, yeah. you're right. Just one question, because um, you, you touched on it earlier, Saracens um, defeated 30-10 away to yeah. Racing. <coughs> played a weekend team and have announced that they are going accepting the 35-point deduction. Does that make what they're likely to do in this campaign any clearer? And obviously there, there'll be big ramifications, hopefully later on, possibly for whether they can win the tournament, but also for Munster in the group stages. It's, they're very interesting and we're going to be watching them very, very closely because they are the holders and they've won three of the last four and their squad strength and depth is the reason they can be competitive on both fronts and complete doubles. Um, they were missing nine players through injury as well as the six English spine of their, their team. So that was a very much a second strength team. It was good enough to win away to Gloucester last week, but uh, this is a complete step up when playing a racing team locked and fully loaded and Finn Russell on far and Vakatawa on far and Teddy Thomas on one wing and one him off. Like Simon Zebo is struggling to get into the team this season. He hasn't scored a try yet for them. He was on the bench. He only got the last 10 minutes. He's struggling to get Bryce Doolan as the fullback at the moment. I, I'm, the indications might be that Zebo won't even be starting against Munster this weekend. Um, He's but benched last two weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so I think... Uh, I think Saracens are a very interesting case study because Mark McCullough said they're going to pri- prioritise premiership survival. Understandably so. Because however loyal all these frontline players are to Saracens, if they were to get relegated, moving into a lion's year, some of them, I'm sure, would have claws in their contract. Remember Del Piero stayed with Juve when they yeah, got relegated. Yeah. Only one or two lads yeah. will do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, co- the goalkeeper, Buffon, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it would be, you can see why that would have to be their priority. But they've got the Ospreys at home this weekend. McCall has said that some, not all, will come back this weekend. I wouldn't imagine Billy Vunapolo would. He'd start at six games out of six for England, so he'd probably get... That's understandable that he'd get in a few, few of them, but they'd be good enough to beat the Ospreys at home. Mm. That means when come December, when they play Munster back-to-back, they're still in contention in that pool. Their only way of getting into the Heineken Champions Cup next season is to win it this season. So I... I take what McCall is saying with a little pinch of salt mm. at the moment and they're just going to be very interested. It's not clear. It's not clear so at all, Pat, what I, they're going to do. I think well, well, one thing that McCall, I think one of their reasons that they're stating for Stephen Jones wrote in the Sunday Times that they're not going to appeal is because they actually need clarity. They need to know whether they can, how they stack From their teams. From a competitive teams. point of view. Yeah, they because need their to, appeal would go yeah, into January, course, February. Yeah. But uh, I think they'll, um, I think the, the round three game against Munster, they'll go, I'm not sure whether it's home or away, but I think they go fully stacked into that simply because they don't have a premiership game the next Munster week. Munster at home on the first Saturday in and the, the second yeah, in, in Thoman Park in round three. So they go full metal jacket to Thoman Park. <coughs> be interesting they do, all right. That's yeah. just pride. That's who you know, they are. That's yeah, his yeah, ego. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's also because they don't have a premiership game yeah. for the next week. They go to that and they'll, so they'll either have two wins from three or one win from three after that game. Right, right. And that will probably decide how they, they view Europe thereafter. Yeah. Gentlemen, it's a fantastic, fascinating subplot along with everything else through the year and we will keep an eye on it. Thank you very much to you. Thank you to Emmett who was in earlier on or who we were talking to. Thank you to you, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Thanks to Declan and Suzanne behind the desk and we will talk to everybody next week. Cheers. Added Time is supported by Fitbit. Get real-time insights on you and your world with the Fitbit Versa 2, the all-new premium smartwatch with Amazon Alexa built in your personalised sleep score and a five-plus day battery life.